Praise God. Good to see a few people, a few faces I don't know here tonight, and good to see the faces I do know. Amen. I'm so incredibly proud of this church. I mean, I've always been in love with this church, but what I've just seen over the last couple of weeks uh, in you people has really just blown me away, us away, my family away, just blown us away. Because, you know, a lot of churches are basically run on 10% of people giving, 10% of people serving, 10% of people doing the stuff. That's basic statistics. But in this offering that we pulled together as a family, as a church, which was outstanding, when I read through the names of the people who had given, not just pledged, but actually fulfilled their pledges... I was so proud to be a part of a church where a large percentage of the church gave, not just 10%. And it wasn't just the rich man coming along and just saying, you know, I've got lots of money, so I'll just... It was like the widow's mites, it was young people, it was people giving up holidays, it was people selling cars, you know... I'm just blown away by the love in this church, honestly. And if ever we were in doubt that you loved this place as much as we do, we have no doubt at all right now that we are in this together. We're in it together. Amen. And you know how much that blesses the heart of God? Let's just look at this scripture right here, Psalm 133, starting in verse 1. Bit emotional there, darling. Hold it together, Jules. How good and pleasant it is. How good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And if you're a visitor here tonight, welcome to the unity. If you're a visitor here tonight, you're no longer a visitor. You just joined a family. And if you're a visitor and you're not coming back, you just visited a family. Because you're in the lounge room of God with your brothers and sisters tonight. Because this is a true house of God. Because we are truly Christians in this place. Amen. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Aaron was a priest. And it's like to God, it's like it starts at the top, this oil that he pours out. And he starts it at the top and he pours it down over the head, which is Christ. Who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ. And he pours this oil down over the head, which is Jesus Christ. And then the oil, Jesus is the great high priest right now. Amen. It's not Aaron, it's Jesus Christ now. And this oil is poured down and it's just dripping off Jesus right now because of this act that you have done. And it says... It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. This is at the end of this um, scripture. For it is, is, for it is, sorry, for it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Tonight there's life in this place. And there's life in this place, not because 
one man stood on a pulpit or one woman stood on the pulpit and gave a good message or a great singer got up and sang a great song or we did some fancy stuff with lighting or whatever. Tonight, there is life in this place because you are here. And you are here joining hands with your brother, with your sister, in the truth of what Christianity really is. Jesus could have prayed a lot of things, amen, as his last significant prayer on earth. He could have prayed a lot of things, and there was a lot of things that Jesus accomplished while he was on earth. He healed the sick. He raised the dead, amen. He, he transformed lepers. He saved people, transformed their lives. But one thing that he found difficult and he had to ask his father to do was to make us one because he knew that that would take a greater miracle than raising the dead to make people love each other, to cause people to fall in love with each other because how intricately, how amazingly unique are we made? And how do you get something completely different and something completely different and say, get on? Amen. He says that we are living stones built together. And I know there's a few builders in this room right now. (laughs) And you know that when you build, it's easy to build these days because we have bricks. And the bricks are pretty much about the same size. They're square. You just slap on that stuff. No, mortar, things, stuff, and that. And then you'd slap one on the top. I mean, I think I could do that. I could do that. I could build a, yeah, a wall or something. Anyway, it might be like this, but I could do that. And, but, but, you know, that's a little easy because when it says we're, we're built together to make a house of God, we aren't built together by bricks that are exactly the same. We are living stones. That means that we're all different shapes and sizes not in the natural, I mean, not fat skin and all that. But I mean, we're all different. And we're all different personalities. And we're all different types. And we all show love in different ways. And we all communicate that love in different ways. And we all have things to bring. And we all have things to lose. Amen. And so when God fits us together, it's almost he's got to get the bumpy part of you like that. And he's got to get the bumpy part of someone else. And he's got to kind of make them fit. And sometimes that takes a bit of twisting and turning and and you don't fit with that person. You come over here and, okay, now you fit with that one in the middle. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's, it's a work of art. You're a work of art. And Jesus knew that, you know, well, this is going to be really hard. And so he prayed this prayer in John 17, starting at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who believe in me through their message. Is that you? That's you, because you believe in him through the message of the disciples, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, people these days, they don't really have a problem with God. You can talk to them about God. 
But as soon as you mention church, a bunch of hypocrites. I'll never go into a church. They're a bunch of hypocrites. But I tell you what, they've never come into our church then. Because I, 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 I would oppose that. I would say, are you kidding me? Have you ever been to C3 Tuggera? It's full of beautiful, loving Christian people. Yes, living stones with bumps, but God's fitting us together, amen, as we do the bump together. And all the people that lived in the 70s would say amen to that, and all the people that didn't say, what the heck's she talking about? Amen. <laughs> you would know what that is. Yes, do the bump, bump, do the bump. It was a dance we did. Anyway, John fifteen thirteen. <laughs> I'm glad we don't film this. Anyway, it must sound weird on tape. Yeah. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for his friends. And Jesus said, you are my friends if, there's an if there, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And it goes on to say this. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And he ends it with this. He tells us what he commands us to do. It isn't a whole bunch of works. It isn't, you know, go and feed the poor. It isn't go do this. It isn't go do that. It isn't like, you know, you know rosary beads and get up, sit down turn around three times he says this simply this is my command love each other just love each other and if you love each other it'll all work out and my question is this to you recently are you receiving whatever you ask for in prayer because if you aren't maybe you need to look at if you're really loving each other i mean really See, the title of this message is Unity of Heart. You know, there's a lot of things that have a semblance of unity. It's unity in the world. It's like if we all go the same way and do the same thing and say the same thing, we're in unity. But we are a diverse unity. It's a unity of the heart because it's the unity that meets at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a unity where we decide to die to ourselves and live for Jesus Christ and for each other. Amen. Amen. I've just gotten right here. Sacrificial love will cost you something. And Pastor Phil, if you didn't get that message this morning and you weren't here, you need to get that message that he preached this morning on the fourth series, the series four of character. It was amazing. I loved that message. And he said that this morning. He said that there's a cost, there's a price to pay for good relationships and good friendships. Amen? And that's a price of your character. Amen? Listen to this story, and I got this from a friend, and she'll know who she is when I read it. (laughs) 
There was a blind girl who hated herself because she was blind. She hated everyone except her loving boyfriend. He was always there for her. She told her boyfriend, if I could only see the world, I will marry you. One day someone donated a pair of eyes to her. When the bandages came off, she was able to see everything, including her boyfriend. He asked her, now that you can see the world, will you marry me? The girl looked at her boyfriend and saw that he was blind. The sight of his closed eyelids shocked her. She hadn't expected that. The thought of looking at them the rest of her life led her to refuse to marry him. Her boyfriend left her in tears and days later wrote a note to her saying, Take good care of your eyes, my dear, for before they were yours, they were mine. That's love. Amen. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? You feel like chasing after that girl and slap, slap. Go marry that boy. Amen. And be his eyes. (laughs) You know, there's a a place as we grow, as, as Garth says, you know, and I totally agree with everything you said, Garth, and it was so wonderful to hear you saying those things because it was just resounding in my spirit that this is true. God is saying these things. And, and where we are right now, we have fought together, we have fought a war together, and that has joined us together in a way that the enemy cannot break us apart. But as we grow, and we will grow, you know, I think the last couple of weeks we've grown by a few families, um, you know, about, about 10, 12 people in total. And uh, we're going to grow. But as we grow, how do we keep this? How do we maintain it and how do we keep it growing? We have to work harder at covering each other's nakedness. Amen. Let me explain this. We'll look at Genesis 9, 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark, this is after the ark and uh, the, ark, the, the, the ark had floated on water all this time now they're on dry land and they're coming out of the ark and they're finally going to rehabit the land and re-inhabit the land and the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham and Jepheth these were the three sons of Noah and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth Noah, a man of soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told the two brothers outside. Now, you can imagine Ham hamming it up and going going outside. And he, he wouldn't have just told his brothers, oh, look, you know, dad's in there naked. He's drunk as a skunk. Go check it out. He would have been mocking him. Like, go check out dad, you know, what a, what a fool he is, laying there, oh, 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 you know, big joke. And so, but Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it across their shoulders, then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. I, I, that is the body of Christ to me. You know, we all have bits that we don't want to show each other. We all have places of nakedness 
that we're embarrassed or ashamed of. We all have times where we stumble, where we fall, where we say or do the wrong things. And the last thing we need is a ham. I'm not talking about pork. (laughs) The last thing we need is a son of the house to mock us and to get on the phone and say, did you hear about? What an idiot. You know, we need brothers and sisters in the house that will put a garment over their shoulders and back up over our brothers and sisters and cover their nakedness. We need people that when someone rings up and says, did you hear? Sorry. Let's just cover that over right now because I don't want to hear that stuff. Amen. Because that person... That's my sister. That's my brother. That's my pastor that you're talking about. And you would greatly offend me if you continue. And you know, if everybody did that, if everybody did that, and I know we do that here. That's why this church is so great. We must continue the culture of this church. Do not let another culture come in as a new flow of people come in. Don't let them bring their culture They submit to the culture that we have set in place in this house. And that culture is based in love, 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 love. Amen. Because one day they're going to need their nakedness covered. And one day they're going to feel safe and secure that they're in a house where their brothers and their sisters covered their nakedness while they had their bad day of planting their vineyard and drinking all the wine. (laughs) Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 8 says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And the whole thing with gossip and slander, especially as Pastor Phil said this morning, the tall poppy syndrome in Australia is to take the mickey out of each other and point out each other's weaknesses. And you know what? We should be boasting in our weaknesses and boasting in each other's weaknesses because in them we become more like Jesus Christ. It's in the places of our deepest weakness that is the places of our deepest dependence. Because when we realize we can't do it without Jesus... We're like putty in the hands of the potter and he shapes us and he molds us into everything that he needs us to be. It's when we reckon we're good and we've got it all together that we've got a problem. Let's all just stay covering and boasting and rejoicing in each other's weaknesses. Amen? Is that right? I remember many, many years ago when we were first going into ministry, we had two beautiful men of God who spoke over our lives in a presbytery. In a presbytery, you have a prophet and an apostle, and they just they, they pick people out and they speak over your life. And we were a room full of pastors, and they, we were just brand new in ministry. We were shaking our boots, hoping he didn't call us out, but he did. 
And so, and they sit you in two chairs and then they just begin, proceed to, the prophet speaks over your life, then the apostle, then the prophet, then the apostle. It's pages full of this stuff. It was so powerful. We just both were. But one of the, you know, things that one of them said has stuck with us for years and years and years. And they said this, don't criticize the lack in each other. Make it up. Don't criticize the lack in each other. Make it up. And if you see a weakness in your brother or sister because they don't love the way that you think they should love, then you go love the way that you think they should love. You go love them back. Amen? You know, just as a side point, we all have love languages. And we all express love in different ways. Some love to give gifts and receive gifts. That's how they feel loved. I know Katrina in the office. Um, you know, she's been working so, so, so hard. Now, I could write her a lovely letter because my gift, you know, my love language is words of encouragement. So I think if I wrote her a really long letter telling how wonderful she is, how beautiful she is, I can't live without you, just amazing. I'd write this. I'd feel like I was giving her love. And she would read it and go, that's nice. But I've worked out her love language and the way that she feels like she's being loved, and that's gifts. And so last week I came into the office. I said, right, shut the office down. Pastor Phil, are gonna personally, Pastor Phil and I are going to personally shout you out on a pampering time. And I took her down to the nail place, and I got her to sit there, and she had a big foot spa and manicure and... And, um, and then I took her to lunch and fed her lunch and just, you know, and still I told her how wonderful she was because so I had to get my bit in. And then later on that night she sent me a message. She said, I feel like a brand new person. I feel totally renewed. I don't know what you did to me today, but I just feel like I could go another 20 years. You see? But see, I could try and love her in my way. And then she might just run around giving gifts to everybody and wonder why people don't feel loved. And so we've got to love each other. And allow each other to make up the lack in each other. If all of us went, just went around you know, writing love letters to each other, half of us wouldn't feel loved. If all of us went around buying gifts for each other, we'd all be broke. And so we've got to find a balance of all doing our bit, giving our bit. Amen. You know, Pastor Phil, just in closing, Pastor Phil mentioned this morning that uh, one of the things that really moved us in watching the royal wedding, who watched that? was so funny. Jilly and um, Jessica, my girls, like they're hopeless romantics. And so they, on Facebook, they messaged Andrew because Jilly and Jesse and Joey were going to watch the wedding together. And they messaged Andrew and said, Andrew, on the way back, could you please stop, us, stop in and buy three tiaras for us? And then they went, oh, you better get four in case you feel left out. <laughs> I thought that was so beautiful. They're just hopeless romantics. But anyway, what really hit Phil and I about that uh, wedding was the fact that in all the interviews, they were saying, the media was saying, both Kate and William have these friends that are completely shut down. They will not talk. And it's just not about their, what they did just before the wedding. We're talking about since they were in university together. Up until their whole romance, their whole dating, right up until their wedding day, they can't pay them enough, they can't bribe them enough, they can't harass them enough to get one of them to speak. 
And, you know, we were just blown away by that. The faithfulness of friendship that would cover each other's backs in a, in a situation like that where, where speaking could make you famous, it could make you rich, it could make you popular for a day. Amen? And being quiet has actually made them more famous. Because now everybody's talking about these faithful friends. It's never been heard of before in the monarchy. No one in the monarchy has ever had friends that have not sold them out or dobbed them in or spoken badly of them. That's what I want people to say about the church. And that was Jesus' heart when he said, Father, make them one. Amen? Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, God's making us one no matter how much it hurts. (laughs) Amen.